Imagine a world without waste. Imagine if you can make products and packaging right every time. It's possible with the help of SpecRite, the first cloud-based platform for specification data management. You can track and report on material usage year over year, run LCAs with the click of a button, and comply with new packaging regulations like EPR and the UK plastics tax. Go to specrite.com backslash sustainability to learn more. Hey, thanks, Laura. Everybody, please also go check out Spectrite's podcast, Beyond the Shelf with Laura Foti, F-O-T-I. It's a wonderful podcast, again, about packaging. There's so many cool content creators out there, and Laura is certainly one of them. Also, we'd love to have you come and check out the Specrite Packaging Specifications Summit in Austin, Texas, January of 2024. I will be there along with Corey Connors, host of Sustainable Packaging with Corey Connors and Avelio Matos host of Packaging Unboxed podcast. Laura will be there. There There's so many folks who are there in the packaging industry. It is a tremendous, tremendous time and a great place. Again, all these links will be down in the show notes, including joining myself, Corey and Avelio, every single Monday morning on LinkedIn and on YouTube for Packaging Today. We break down the news, but we also have fun, tell jokes, Uh, We enjoy each other. It's a building and blossoming community there of packaging people. And everyone is a packaging person. Everyone is a packaging buyer. And everybody is welcome on the Packaging Today show. Again, click the link. You can get notified on it on LinkedIn or on YouTube. And the packaging community continues to grow with my next guest. Let's get right to the interview. Hey everybody, good morning or afternoon or evening or midnight. Uh, and by the way, if it's midnight or one o'clock, Taco Bell is a bad idea. I'm just letting you know right now, don't do it. I see too many lines at 1 a.m. at Taco Bell and I'm like, stop making bad decisions. But you made a great decision listening to this podcast today. Uh, I'm joined by Luke Montgomery Smith. There's a very regal name, Luke. And if you're not watching this, he's wearing a tie-dye shirt sitting in a beautiful boardroom um, looking uh, the opposite of what maybe somebody would consider to be royalty but you are uh, you are you are comfortable and you are happy and we're going to talk about all sorts of cool stuff so Luke welcome to the people of packaging podcast thank you Adam it is an absolute pleasure to be joining you here and uh, yeah I'm joining you here from uh, sunny Burlington Vermont as you can tell from my deep Vermont accent I was going to say, is that a, it sounded maybe New Hampshire, but you're saying it was Vermont. I... Yeah. No, I am, I am a Vermonter by since February, 2023. Um, I found my way across here. I, I met a man during the pandemic and we decided to start a business together. And then one thing led to the other and I moved my family across here and we're building, we're building our business plink out of Burlington, Vermont. I have so many questions. Okay, uh, so we're going to talk about Plink. We're going to talk about packaging. We're going to get into all that. You are from Australia, correct? I'm from the UK, from London. You're from, you're from the UK. Okay, I couldn't remember. Yeah, on a pre-call. Clearly, my uh, um, you're good. My my accent picking up through the internet is poor. What's fascinating is we have a an exchange student living with us from London. Nice. And your accents are decidedly different. Uh, in case you're, in case you're, yeah. Kidding. I mean, that is the thing with accents; they are very different. I, it's true. Um, it's true. They're different. I'm noticing that you. 
here in Vermont, you can, I didn't think I'd be able to notice the difference, but it's summertime. So the guys have come down from Quebec and Canada and you can really tell the difference between, between the two accents like night and day. Yeah. And especially Quebec, right? That's, that's a bit more French, if yeah. I recall, it is than say Toronto, which is a, a little bit, probably a little bit more influenced by American. Um, is that more like a Midwest, like a Wisconsin accent? Maybe a bit. Yeah, maybe a bit. I don't know. That's uh, you're right. They're all they're all over the place. And even like one of my friends when I worked at uh, WS Packaging from Liverpool and it was, okay. like, oh, geez, I was. What would you say again, Rob? Can you can you write it out for me? <laughs> I don't know speak in English. Uh, love. Uh, love you, Rob, if you're listening and you're probably not, but that's OK. Uh, so Luke, we're here to talk about you. We're here to talk about Plink. So you, you meet somebody and you decide to start a business during the pandemic. And then you were so compelled that you decided to move to the home of, uh, delicious ice cream and Burton snowboards in Burlington, Vermont. So walk me through that story. Cause that is not a normal story. It's certainly not a normal backstory. Yeah. So Tell me about this. Okay, I will. It, the the Plink story starts before I enter into the fray with uh, my co-founder, Max. He had spent the best part of a decade working in trends and insights, um, which is basically tracking um, consumer trends, macro trends across, you know, packaged goods, but also tech and, and fintech and health and all sorts of things and helping Fortune 250 companies and big global companies sort of innovate for change and stay ahead of the trends. And he had always his whole life just had a dream of starting a beverage brand. But he kept telling people, his clients about, you know, a massive need to reduce CO2 emissions within business and a need to reduce the reliance on single use plastic packaging. And when he kept looking at starting, you know, a seltzer brand or a CBD brand or something, all of his favorite beverage brands was still sort of bound by these 20th century distribution methods. It's still just something that's predominantly water picked, packed, shipped in a, in a plastic bottle or can and trucked across the country. So that was sort of holding him back. And then he had a lightning bulb dream in the middle of the night. And it was as simple as it's a bath bomb you can drink. It's called Plink. It's radically low carbon because there's no water. It's sold by subscription, boom. And before he fell asleep, fortunately, he texted his best friend. Um, and for years, his best friend tried to convince him to start the business. He was, you know, he saw huge value in it. His best friend was kind of in this consumer space as well and just kept going, you've got to start the business, you've got to start it. Max didn't start it for a number of reasons, you know, one of which, you know, he had a good job, with, you know, providing for his family. And then, um, and he was also, you know, he knew he was missing some skill sets from, from, from just hit, hit and go on the product. Uh, around the same time that he was doing that, I fell in love with beverage because my wife and I founded a kombucha brand in the UK. Um, we had been working in the States. I'd previously done events, fell in love with kombucha. We launched a kombucha brand, made delicious kombucha, sold it on street food markets and, and eventually in a few hundred stores. But at the same time, we kind of, cracked the production side of things. So we started contract manufacturing kombucha for other brands, doing recipe development and got into the dark arts and science of creating great tests, taste. 
and that like really loved that process. And in the early days of the pandemic, we were forced to close our kombucha business and I wasn't done yet. I still had the itch to keep going out there and doing it again. Um, and I was introduced to Max and his idea, this bath bomb you could drink called Pling. And I immediately, I, you know, we, this was during a global pandemic. So everyone is locked behind doors, wearing masks, everything's kind of shut down. Um, so we met each other through this mutual friend, but all on WhatsApp and Google Hangouts. And, you know, it, it didn't take long for me to go, this already exists in a way. Effervescent tablet technology exists. Yeah. So I, I had the time. So I did a deep dive into effervescent tablet technology. The more I discovered about it, the more I got excited about it. It's been used for over 100 years to disperse vitamins and minerals in water. Um, and it just hasn't really been innovated on for taste and for flavor and for enjoyment. And we got really, really excited by the concept that we didn't have to go into an R&D lab and start from scratch. There was like a product that we could find. So we got into a lab in the UK and started just fucking around and finding out and making our own formula. And we, you know, bought, went to um, commodities sites and bought sodium bicarbonate and citric acid and all different sugars and stevia and got into a lab in the north of England in Stoke and developed a base formula. Uh, with the help of an awesome biochemist and then we were like okay we cracked it within a very short period of time started flavoring it we had i previously done liquid flavors so you know you'd go down to the, the the market and get some ginger and you juice it and you put more in doesn't taste right get something else tweak tweak with powders it's kind of the same but totally different so <laughs> i knew that i would need some help um so got in a friend of mine who's developed um, flavors for chocolate brands and beverage brands. And he helped us sort of come up with our flavors in powder form. And as we were doing all of this, the world was sort of starting to emerge from COVID and we were trying to work out, were we going to launch in the UK or the US? And when we did market research, it was clear to us that the opportunity was solely in the US. Hydration was really happening as a category. Liquid IV was growing. Brands like Noon were exiting to Nestle. It was just a really exciting time in hydration. So we decided to launch over here. And while that while that had happened during the pandemic, Max, my co-founder, moved to Burlington, Vermont. And when we decided that we were going to be founded in America, it didn't make sense to uproot two families. So we decided to join Max in Vermont. And as you said at the beginning of the podcast, it is the home of beautiful ice cream and Burton snowboards. It is the home to some amazing brands that see and think about the world differently and have grown well above and been category leaders. And we just got so excited by that, by Burton, by seventh generation in home mm. wear, really interesting, by Ben and Jerry's, by even Keurig, Green Mountain Coffee, yeah. you know, packaging experts galore around here, you know, all sorts of things. And so we've based ourselves here. We found a really good home amongst people that are eco-conscious, health-conscious, and like to see the world a bit differently. I love that. Uh, there is, so 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 Max was in the UK. You were both over in the UK. Is that correct? He, he was at. He's British. He was actually working in Jersey City and commuting into Manhattan and worked there. Oh, uh, oh my God! So then, and he moved up to to Vermont, and then so then, and that was then we once we had cracked it, we had found this FBS and tablet, the concept behind Plink is simple. It's like, because you bring the water and we bring the flavor, there's 99% less packaging than a traditional beverage. And because we are not trucking water across the country on flatbed trailers, 
we use 98% fewer CO2 emissions. Yep. So take a glass of water or a bottle at home on campus in the gym, drop a plink in it and boom, a delicious beverage. I, I love this. I, I, oddly enough, my, my background, when I first got into packaging, this was in 2007, one of the customers that the company I used to be at worked with was an effervescent tablet manufacturer. <laughs> and I, you know, some of the most bizarro problems have to solve uh, were, came up just as I was cutting my teeth in packaging for effervescent tablet manufacturing. So clearly it's been around even, you know, well before that, even well before 2007. Um, I have one question on the product, and then I want to get to the packaging because this, this whole concept of, don't ship water is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure Max, uh, you know, saw this trend well before most people did, but it's it's impacting uh, household cleaning. Uh, we're seeing that grow more and more there. Uh, my friend Corey Connors, who hosts the Sustainable Packaging Podcast, you you should be a guest on there. He's he's awesome. He just did a video with I think it was Presto, which is like an Amazon product where. It had a uh, you you just have an empty bottle and just drop something in the bottle and then it makes makes the product. So I love this idea because water is everywhere. Why not utilize that? The question that I have, and, and I'm sure that you've had you've wrestled with this, is you have a good tasting product. If if somebody uses maybe not the cleanest or the most filtered water. Um, you know, if they just, I don't know, like I used to drink out of a hose when I was a kid in the backyard. So if I, if I were to take that hose water and then drop a plink in there, does that, does that affect the taste so much that somebody would be like, I don't like this versus somebody's using filtered water or how do you account for that when you're using water? I get it with cleaners, but water seems like a whole different thing. And I'm guessing this is something you wrestled with. You had to do a bunch of testing. Yeah, it's definitely something we've wrestled with and not all water is equal, right? Not Correct. all water tastes the same. You know, there's a lot of waters that have different chlorine levels or um, diff different ways to, to make the water cleaner. Some water is, you know, Adirondack water like you get in New York City. Um, and there's a lot of people that are proud of their water. I was surprised by how strong the flavor is over water. And really because water has not zero flavor i think water is very flavorful but because mm -hmm. water is quite a plain flavor um it doesn't take much to mask that you you know you, i i believe that you most people are pleasantly surprised when they squeeze a bit of lemon juice in and not that good tasting water it all of a sudden tastes much better um yep. so we were surprised by that definitely something i'm really excited about in the future like getting people to compete with their own waters for the best tasting plink um but, but two of the things that we thought were fascinating around the time of building Plink that were, we really saw a rise in is just, like you said, but the rise of people taking their reusable water bottle everywhere they go. Yep. Now, if you're a kid at school from pre-K upwards, you've got to bring your own water bottle to school. And if you're a, a college kid, you take your water bottle everywhere. And if you work in a co-working space, it is your emotional support bottle. You know, you've got your how many gallons of water and all, and all the stickers on it right that will exactly your yeah. tribe it's your status symbol it's like you it's like a fresh pair of sneakers these days yeah and so we saw that along with the rise there's actually some federal guidance on trying to increase free to access water points you'll see them cropping up around cities they're obviously at all travel sites train stations airports things like that but it was just like all of these macro trends point towards this kind of product 
being just a fantastic addition to the beverage industry. Yeah, I love that. Uh, and I've certainly seen that. So we have uh, we have six kids who live in our house, one exchange student from the UK, as I mentioned, and then five of our of our own children. And um, they get excited to get gifts now, like uh, a new Stanley water bottle. I mean, I never in a thousand years when I was a kid would have gotten excited to get a brand new water bottle. But it's they are they're like overjoyed. It's like it's on their list to get the, you know, to get the new water bottle. So I, I think there is a, there, there's a huge, huge push, not only towards sustainability and that's a big part of it, but also just towards, I think, caring what's going into your body and, and caring about how we take care of the planet. And, you know, clearly you have, you've aligned, you, you've, uh, you've uh, arrived at that, at that crux there in Burlington, Vermont with Plink. So uh, if you don't mind, I want to pivot to packaging. Obviously, it's a packaging podcast. We're 15 minutes in. It's a tremendous backstory. I'm excited. I still haven't gotten any products, so I'm going to order some. I want to hear at the end how to order it, and it's going to be great. Uh, so, so let's talk about packaging. So, you have are these effervescent tablets that you have, they, or is it a powder? They are effervescent tablets. Okay, so you have an effervescent tablet that's like this press tablet. Um, what walk me through the packaging journey uh, i found with a lot of entrepreneurs you spend they spend so much time on the product and they forget that the packaging is part of the product it's with a side if you don't have proper packaging you you actually don't really have much of a product um if if you're trying to sell i mean if you're just going to go sell in a farmer's market you can probably get away with it um but if but if you have to have a way to deliver it to the customers so what was that like for you? Did you decide on packaging when you were in the UK, still in the lab? Was that sort of something that you had to scramble to get when you come over to the US? Walk me through what that was like. Yeah, yeah, it was a great journey. I would say firstly, ahead of that, to me, the product includes the packaging. The packaging yeah. is an essential part, whatever the, the raw ingredient in liquid beverages, the beverage is nothing without the bottle, right? And the bottle is an essential part of brand of of brand experience you know how the how it fits around your mouth and the hand feel all, all of those things and how the label is but yeah so for us we it was a bath bomb you could drink called plink and then we were like it's effervescent tablet technology started researching it effervescent tablets are a highly volatile product yeah they, are, they have they need a barrier to water vapor transmission and oxygen transmission like very very high and globally 99% of all effervescent tablets are in a plastic tube yep. with a plastic lid with a beautifully high-tech desiccant lid that has a coil in it that works as a as a protection for it to not shake in transit. It's like a beautiful piece of design. Yeah. Um, but it is multi-layer, non-recyclable plastic um, and a plastic tube. And we, we as a business, almost to our detriment, are radically anti-plastic, so trying to do something very different. So that just the first hurdle, once we had discovered it was effervescent tablets that we were playing with, finding a contract manufacturer willing to move away from the tubes was just hugely challenging. Um, a, because we had no, no um, record of effervescent tablets. We didn't have a huge brand behind us. We're a totally new business, new startup. We, were, we weren't coming in going, we're ordering 10 million units. You know, we're trying to get the MOQ of everything. Um, but we're saying we can't do it in plastic. So what are you going to do? 
And at first we had a few more people bite in Europe originally. And then as the as COVID expanded and, and supplement sales went through the roof, vitamin C and vitamin D sales, which is all effervescent tablets, their lines just filled up and they weren't willing to innovate on us. Mm. So we, we're trying to, packaging has been the biggest challenge for Plink. Like our eventual goal is something fully biodegradable or compostable, but the materials just aren't there at the moment. Correct. We currently work with an aluminium foil, um, which is which is our our barrier property. And because it's aluminium, obviously that's not food safe. So there needs to be a layer between it. This our packaging has an LDP liner, which um, I have lost a lot of sleep over because it is a plastic and it has a paper layer. So it is a multi-layer foil, which makes it almost entirely non-recyclable in the US. Um, and it is recyclable in Europe, but we're not actually there as a market. Um, so um, it's a really interesting challenge. I'm, and then that is our barrier. So our packaging beyond that, which we can get into a bit later, is 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 um, superficial and and sort of it's a, more about brand messaging and appeal. But we have some excitement. Like we did a lot there as well. That's great. Yeah. The I mean, to the point on flexible films and kind of what you're describing. Uh, actually, one of my first challenges was on those tubes that you were describing um, when they're ejected from the mold. Oftentimes they're not um, there's a silicone on the outside and they're not treated. Uh, some of them aren't treated with flames. And so to, if you have to put a label around it, uh, the the release liner for a label is made out of silicon so that the adhesive doesn't stick to it. So you try to stick label adhesive to silicone that's been injected from the mold and the labels don't want to stay on it. So it was a difficult challenge to label an effervescent tube in case anybody cares to know mm, um super interesting yeah it was it was fascinating the, the stuff that you end up running into and you kind of ran into it as well right where you have this you have this product that in and of itself is already making an impact on global co2 emissions relative to its alternatives and the fact that it's an effervescent you're not shipping water and so it's like well let's go all the way right let's have let's have zero impact left on the earth because we want these to you know maybe it's a home compostable film or something like that where somebody can just put it in their compost if they'd like to and then you start realizing what it sounds like you already did which is the mvtr and the otr is just it's it's a struggle because you want to probably do it but realizing that the shelf life is going to be deteriorated or worse the product is 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 you know going to be compromised and maybe you have issues with that there's all sorts of things that arrive because of something like barrier properties and so i think a lot of brands are in a similar situation where it's like this is where we want to be mm. but if we can't get there we're going to do the the best possible thing that we can and we'll just keep taking steps as it makes sense to take steps because 90 percent of the battle is already won you have an effort you have a little tablet that's like this instead of shipping a 20 ounce bottle filled with water yeah. you know so it's that's incredible and keeping you know to keep iterating on the on that primary packaging because it has to be food safe it has to pass, pass fda regulations it can't deteriorate the product it has to be somewhat cost effective you know because you have a marketplace that you have to go play in customers have to buy it on and on and on there's all these things that i just wish i could tell everybody like every consumer, because I get hit up on TikTok a lot about about some of this stuff, and I'm like, there's there's not an alternative. We have to we have to innovate to get there, 
and the innovation just isn't quite there yet. So, yeah, and I, I think that that is the the point that you made at the beginning of like you've gone a long way and then you decide to go further is like that is the the fire that drives pretty much all founders is trying to do something beyond what is the realms of possibility. Yeah, there are a load of people that see a market opportunity and you know you could rebrand and, and a tube and sell it as an alternative noon or something like that, but that's not what we were trying to do. We were trying to create a new beverage moment with an existing technology. And I think one of the things that we always wanted to do, one of the things that we've now changed our mind on somewhat is also we wanted it to be unique, like, and to feel different. We ours, um to like all those at home you won't be able to see is like is a condom pack wrapper so it looks like a uh, it looks very similar to 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 that it's like 2.2 inch square it's got a lovely sort of playful square element to it it feels kind of a little bit confectionery um and a little bit playful and i think that that was something we were really happy with and with the effervescent tubes it was always we it was like it was never even on the table that we would go with the plastic tube to, to be honest and mm -hmm. i think now that we're in market we've probably like flexed a bit more the other way and we've like hmm, we would probably test some different flavors in that or something but one of the challenges is the really interesting one less packaging more manufacturing is that effervescent tablets are such a commodity that that whole process is almost humanless the the tube the packing into the box. So we've had to disrupt that entire manufacturing process in order to get it out of the tubes and, you know, create a new line and pull it in. It, it's just a different, it's, it's in essence, a different manufacturing process as well, um, which I see as a benefit, you know, it's something that helps protect us as we grow. Right. I, I'd be curious why, cause I, and I've never seen this before, but why, um, I, by the way, I, I love how British people say aluminium. It's one of my favorite things in the world. But I say aluminum uh, because that's just what I've always said. But why there's not an aluminum tube uh, with the with the cap? Because that's, you know, if, if there's a, I mean, an aluminum can has a, you know, a BPA-free plastic liner that is is easily handled through the aluminum manufacturer recycling process. Aluminum is a very easy to understand how to recycle material did you ever go down that path when you were looking at this or were you like no we're too we're out on tubes no no we did 100 percent. and they are there are a number of suppliers of aluminium tubes aluminium tubes uh, you say aluminium it's my favorite yeah. thing don't, yeah, okay. don't don't shy away i won't change for you adam <laughs> um yeah so it's definitely out there i think one of the things we were also trying to do which i touched on before like being a bit different we didn't want to come to market looking like a supplement because we don't think of ourselves as a supplement. We think of ourselves as a beverage. Yeah. And I think the cues of the aluminium, even no one can really see the difference between whether it's a aluminium or plastic. So it was, it was, it was important for us to create something differentiated. I now more and more see the value. I, we're looking at aluminium tubes at the moment. For, for you know for some runs in the future to to test different different ways of holding the product and providing people with multi-packs um i think the reason i'm more interested in it now is the more i've looked at the packaging side of things and the material science side of things of the barrier properties and just been shown by so many experts that we're a few years away mm -hmm. where it's just quite far with the metallized 
PLAs that probably will be turned out to be called plastics. And that by that time anyway, you know, from a breaking down point of view, they just don't have the barrier. There is no one really trying to find a non-plastic liner to pair with aluminium because if you're going to go aluminium, you probably think plastic's okay. But then there's the whole group of people that are trying to do it without aluminium and they're just not that close. They're, they're close. You, you've seen people do it with soups, do it with solids. It can be done with chocolate. But if you genuinely need it to be like 0.001, you know, grams per square inch, you, you just yeah. can't do it yet. We're still a little while away. No, I totally agree. And you are, uh, you're, you're, you're preaching to the choir proverbially. Yeah. Uh, Cause I, uh, I spoke an event actually, well, as of this recording, I spoke an event two days ago here in Utah and I, I was talking about that exact same thing, how there's, there's various different things. There's the product category. Does it protect the product? Uh, does it lessen the impact on the planet? Does it resonate with our people? Is it on brand? Can they find it? Do they know what it is? To your point about we're a drink, we're not a, a supplement. And then is it profitable? Can Does it impact your profitability such that you can continue to make money? Because there's really nothing sustainable about going out of business. I mean, you're good people trying to do good in the world. I want for companies like yours to make to make it, to do really well, to hire great people, to innovate, help us innovate in packaging you know, help drive innovative dollars there. And in order to get there, you, you have to be able to generate revenue. And so uh, it's, it's all something that every brand goes through it, whether it's, you know, Unilever and seventh generation or Plink. It's, you know, you're both in Vermont, you're both having similar struggles at different scale, I'm sure. Um, but we need to keep struggling because the minute we just give up, then that's when innovation stops, I think. So yeah. And to be honest, I think the innovators just want to keep innovating. So what's been amazing about being in Burlington, Vermont, is we've been plugged into the teams at Keurig Green Mountain that obviously not for ethical reasons, but they innovated hugely in the coffee space and created. Yeah. I know it wasn't their original idea, but what they did transformed coffee culture in the US. And that was a packaging revolution as much as a product revolution and then seventh generation similarly and we've actually tapped into spoken to a few people who are we've got their brains whirring and ticking away and they've got really excited by the by the project um i know that they're gonna cut like i've done a lot of the work and i know that they're already hitting some of the same walls that we're hitting that i hit in my initial research but it's just incredibly exciting to infuse people with that with that product challenge i love so, it anyone out there who is listening to you know to this podcast and is a packaging expert and is just like hey you haven't thought about this please reach out i'd love to you know we're trying to solve uh foil uh with high barrier properties for water vapor and oxygen um close to zero so holler holler at me i love it well uh, let's let's tie it up there so uh, how do people get in touch with you? How do they buy the product? Uh, you know, maybe similarly important. Um, give me, uh, give me your, uh, give me your sales pitch for folks yeah. to buy some stuff. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll start with how do you reach out to me? My name is Luke. I'm at drinkplink.com. Email me. Um, I'm always open to new business ideas opportunities, networking. You should never give your email address out on a podcast. So I might've just done that, but hey-ho. Um, You'll be you want... fine. Trust me. It's not, this isn't the Joe Rogan show. You're gonna okay, be good. 
I have yeah. heard it happen on Joe Rogan and people regret it. Um, yeah, no, it's not you, it. <laughs> you would like to try Plink and you're based in the United States, you can go to drinkplink.com and you can check out check it out there and purchase the product and deliver anywhere in the US. And if you just type in the discount code Adam Peak, all one word, you'll get a 20% off discount off your entire order. No way, really? Yeah. Wow. Just, you just, heard it here first. Yeah, that's just for you. you Thank know. you. That's awesome. I uh, love it. Well, My pleasure. I will make sure that people do that. Uh, is it is, is it? It's a subscription, right? So they get the first one twenty percent off, and then they can just get them every month for the rest of their lives. You know, we don't. We're not in. I'm not into that. I'm not into forcing people to subscribe to something that they don't want. Oh, okay. This is just, you can subscribe. The 20% off will go off your first one. You can do a one-off purchase. Um, it is fruity, fizzy fun. It's packed with electrolytes. It's only one gram of sugar, 15 calories. It tastes great. It helps you hit your water goals and it helps you feel smug about you doing your bit for the, for the environment. But more than that, it just, it's delicious and it's hydrating. I can't wait to try it. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to buy some for my son's basketball team as well because they're always looking for good tasting hydration when they're when they're out and getting refueled with electrolytes and stuff that tastes good with low sugar is tough to find so and it can just drop in a gym bag right so that's the thing it's incredible ready. i love gym it bag ready cheers adam it's been a pleasure yeah. luke thank you so much everyone go check it out drinkplink.com we'll have everything in the show notes in case you were driving and smartly did not try to write any of this down as always i have you we'll have the links in there you can click it and uh luke excited for what you're doing can't wait to keep following your journey oh, peace out hey congrats you made it to the end of the podcast if you're looking for more great podcast material in the packaging industry please check out sustainable packaging with Corey connors and the newly redesigned Package Unboxed with Avelio Matos. Go find them wherever you listened to this podcast. Thanks, everybody.